Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, without further ado, I'm excited to get in this word today. We're going to start a new series. We're starting a new series uh, where we're going to look at the way of the heart. We're going to look at the heart. Now, I will say this with this. We're, we're not going to tackle everything dealing with the heart in these next four weeks. Uh, but in particular, we're going to look at the heart and idols today as we look at Romans 1. Next week, we'll look at solitude and then it's silence and then prayer. And my hope through this is that we'll be able to slow down a moment. We'll be able to slow down and examine ourselves. And as we'll do that, we'll, we'll be able to start to fall off in a way where we're meeting with God. A meeting with God in the, the quiet spaces, if you want to say, of your heart. Meeting with God as we enter back into the fall and, and those spaces that we're getting prepared to get into, whether it be church or school or your work, whatever it might be as the summer comes to an end, meeting with God in those quiet spaces. And I know, I know, when I say quiet spaces, some of y'all are like, Pastor D, my, my heart ain't quiet. It's kind of noisy. How many of you know, if I ask, we lead some noisy lives? It's noisy. It's noisy. In fact, the problem with our lives, and should I say our city, is that it's nonstop moving. It doesn't stop. It moves all the time, and there's literal noise all around us all the time. And the problem with this is that we never get to a point where we get to really hear our hearts, which is problematic because now we tend to struggle to hear the voice of God in our lives which, watch this, lends to a lack of guidance, lends to a lack of dependence on the Lord, and, and we end up chasing after things and looking to people that we never would have in the first place. We know we're not supposed to be there. Y'all been there before? Some of us are, are right there right now, if we're honest. So what I want to do before I jump into the Scripture today, Romans 1, we're going to start in verse 18, but before I get there, and this is going to be a little different for you, but it's one that my wife and I, we, we've, we've started this summer. We've tried to do. It's not a new tradition in Christian history. This is something that the spiritual fathers of old have always done. But I, I just want us to kind of center ourselves and get, be quiet before the Lord in a place of science, silence. My wife and I, uh, we did this through the summer. And in the midst of busy, the busyness of life, what we did is say, we just want a space where we can be silent. And, and so this happened, this is without phones, no noise, no children, <laughs> just quiet. So this means that it happened many times in the morning where it's just silent. And just allow the Lord to kind of Speak to your heart and just center yourself. So what I want to do before I jump into this passage, again, this may be different for you all because we're just, we're just noisy. I want you to just, just, just quiet down before we get to the passage. We're going to take a couple minutes. You can close your eyes right now. Just, just be quiet before the Lord. 
to the point where you can just hear your breathing. Now let us stand and let's read the word together in Romans 1, starting in verse 18. Here now the reading of God's word, verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men, and birds, and animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies, among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Very word of God. Today I want to preach on the topic, the heart and idols, the heart and idols. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for who you are. God, I do ask even now as we've been quiet, God, I pray that you would speak to the heart of your people, examine our hearts, God, and intervene and reach us where we need to be reached. God, I pray that all I say today and do would be honoring to you. May you be lifted up. Decrease me, Lord, so that you may increase. Now, Lord, have my, my words and everything that I say and do be honored to you. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> now, I know someone is probably sitting there and you're asking the question, because I just stated the word idols. What, what is an idol? Well, I want you to say this with me. An idol can be anything. An idol can be an idol can be anything. 
Now, this is very important to understand because most of the time, if someone says the word idol or they say that's an idol, they're, they're usually talking about something outward, something they can put their hands on, something they can touch or feel. It's an idol. That's what we commonly think of. For my Bible thumpers in here, you think of the nation as Israel when they were free from Egyptian captivity and, and they had the, the golden calf that they had made, and they were worshiping the golden calf, something they can see, something they can feel, something they can touch. That's an idol. But the truth of the matter is that an idol can be anything, can be anything. And if we're really going to dive into the matters of the heart to get to a space where we really can hear the voice of God and watch him move in our lives, then we have to purge our hearts a bit. And in other words, we got to do some examining and ask the question, what or who do I really worship? Who or what do I truly worship? Who holds the keys to my heart? That is the question. Now, I know this is a tough question, asking what do I truly worship, but it's pertinent and it's very key because idolatry is anything we worship in place of God. And some of you may have heard me say this before. It's when we take the good things that God gives us and we make them the ultimate things in our life. The Bible talks about idolatry more than anything else because it violates the first and most important commandment of the Bible, which is that of you shall not have any gods before God. That's the act of idolatry. Now, an idol is anything that you seek fulfillment from other than God. It's the actual thing that you commit idolatry with. And like I said, this can be anything. Our hearts, listen, are idol-making factories. We always make them. You know why? Because we're made to worship God. And here's the issue, because we're not always worshiping God. So when we're not worshiping God, that means that we're worshiping something else. We're professionals. At taking the good things that God gives us and making them ultimate things. Professionals. And I know someone sitting there and you're like, Pastor D, come on, man. You just got back from vacation and you coming at me like that with idols in the heart and stuff. You're just supposed to be like, God is good. Yes, he and yes, he is, y'all. But but we gotta go into this. We gotta get into it. You, you know why? And here's why. Because the reality is, is every one of us have been through a pandemic in the last couple of years, and we're, we're reeling our way out of it. We're trying to come out of this pandemic, and we're still slightly in it. And the reality, here it is, is that some of us have picked up some bad habits along the way. Some of us, we got some addictions in our life now. I know I'm stepping in your neighborhood already. I mean, let's, let's be honest a little bit. Some of us, we've become addicted to social media. And our phones. I mean, every, every waking moment, you just pick up that phone. You just scrolling. You just, you just scrolling. No, you're bored. Let me just, look. I'm just scrolling. I'm just scrolling. And you're just going through it. Literally, you can't put it down. It ain't buzzed. It hasn't, it ain't rang. Nothing's happening. You just, let me see what, what's going on here. You're trying to talk to somebody, and they just scrolling their phone. They, they, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're just scrolling through their phone, not paying attention. And next thing you know, I kind of don't like this feature on the iPhone now, but it talks about the usage on the phone. And you pick it up and it's like, dang, I've been on this mug 10 to 12 hours already. Th that's half the day. We're not even counting sleep. It's an idol. Some of us, 
and I'm not coming at anyone with this, putting anyone down, because I'm right there with you. But this, this pandemic hasn't been good for our waistline. I mean, it, we, food has become a source of comfort. Now you're now you, you looking around like, I got that COVID-15. Just be honest. I know I'm there with you. My trainer's here, and you're looking at me sideways right now. <laughs> Some of y'all, on the other hand, we, we just plain, we just got plain old comfortable being at home. Comfortable being at home, not going anywhere. We don't like responding to anyone. We don't have to do that anymore. You, you can control your space and your time, do exactly what you want to do. And, and this one might hurt a little bit, but you might have a control or comfort idol. Now, now what happens is, is, is you, you look at church in person and, and community groups or doing life with people as optional. When, when the Bible has been very clear about not forsaking the body or not forsaking the fellowship of the saints. Not online, just here. It's okay if you're online. You can come back in, though. <laughs> idol. Friends, all I'm trying to get at is that anything can be an idol. And to be honest, this isn't really a message that really feels good to us because we, we're people that, that hate looking at ourselves and our hearts and facing reality. That, that, that's not the American way. American way is like, let's just keep going. Let's keep on moving. Listen to me, friends. If we don't stop and slow down for a moment and look at our hearts, it leads us to a place of depression. It leads us to a place of desperation and trusting in things and people that we would have never trusted before. It leads to a place of discontentment, anger, burnout, and a whole other list of things we don't want to be described as. True idol worship, listen, is a matter of the heart, which is a hard truth because the only one that could diagnose and change our hearts is Jesus. That's hard because we constantly want to change our own hearts. And we can't because our natural inclination is to do what we want to do and to chase after what we want, which is where idols come from because, friends, our heart's longing is for fulfillment. It's for joy. It's for peace. It's for love and satisfaction. And we constantly run the stuff and people and things rather than God because we think it's going to fulfill us because our natural rebellion is against the things of God or spoken more plainly, God ain't moving fast enough for me. And so we get impatient and we run after what we want right now. We naturally turn inward to ourselves or other things for satisfaction, not to God because deep down, oh, oh, deep down, we believe that we know better than God. Think about it. I mean, think about the Star Spangled Banner. I, I've said this before, but y'all think about it for a minute. We sing this at ball games. We grew up singing it. It ends with the land of the free and the home of the brave. Translation, if you work hard enough and you're brave enough, 
you can get what you want in life. Now, the problem with this is that it's in direct opposition to what Jesus offers. He offers salvation freely by his grace, which means you can't work hard enough for it. You can't earn his grace. It's given to you by the love of the Father. Friends, what I'm trying to get at is that because of this attitude of I can do it and I know what's right and I want what I want, we don't naturally seek fulfillment from God but from other things because if I go to God, he may not give me what I want. And, oh, I don't want that. I don't want that. So in turn, what we do is we stop reading our Bibles. We stop, we stop praying. We stop giving. We're out of community because I want everything my way. It's about me. Miss Hannah Smith, she writes in her book, Everyday Religion. Uh, she says, look at this with me. She says, me is the most exacting personage. Requiring the best seat in the highest place for itself and feeling grievously wounded if its claim is not recognized. Most of the quarrels among Christian workers arise from this clamoring of this gigantic me. How few of us understand the true secret of taking our seats in the lowest rooms. Friends, the Christian walk, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's about God. And it's this me attitude that lends to idol worship because we seek fulfillment in our heart's desire outside of God. So this morning, the question I want you to ponder as I walk through this text is what is it in my life that I worship more than God? What is it in my life that it's, if it's taken away from me, it ruins me? Better yet, let me meet somebody else someplace else. What is it in your life that you're not getting that's causing a chasm between you and God? What do you truly worship? We all live for something. Something will always capture our imagination and our allegiance. The question we have to answer is, is that something God? Listen, listen to me. We can't possibly get to this place where God satisfies our deepest heart desire if we don't know what's competing against God for our satisfaction right now. What is it? Today, I'm going to jump in this text today, and we're going we're gonna to look at Romans 1, and not so much line by line like we usually do here. I want to give you somewhat of a 30,000-foot view, bird's eye view of idols and, and how that shows up in your hearts and hopefully help you diagnose this where you can meet with God more often in these quiet spaces. Hopefully we can unpack this a little bit for you. Here in this passage, I, I love it, and I love reading in the Apostle Paul uh, because he keeps it real, y'all. He's pretty straight to the point. I, you know, a whole bunch of fluff. I got a whole lot of run-ons and stuff, but he, he, he's pretty straight to the point. And so there's not a whole lot of interpreting when you read Paul. It, it's pretty much all there. And in this passage, he talks about the wrath of God. 
which in the New Testament is very different than the Old Testament. See, God in the New Testament, he's not going sh- to shower down fire on, on you. He can do it, but he's not going to strike you down or anything like that where people always say this stuff. No, that, that's not what he's doing in the New Testament. We saw that in the Old Testament. We see that where God's chasing after them and things like that. But he's not going to do that necessarily because of you living in your sin. But instead, what we see here is that God, instead of wrath off the back, he, he, he extends grace through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross where he dies for our sins and all those that would come to believe. There's grace. Now, again, that doesn't mean that God, let's not get it twisted, he, he can't just wipe us all out if he wanted to. He could do that and start over like the days of Noah. But instead, we see him extend grace through Jesus. So the type of wrath that Paul is talking about in this passage, in the days of the New Testament and even now, in actuality, it's, it's far worse. See, we think God's striking us down because we did something wrong is bad. Romans right here is worse. Let me, let me tell you why. He just allows us to dwell in our sin. And the outcomes of the sin are listed in verses 26 through 32 as you keep reading. See, God isn't striking anyone down right now. He's just letting us ruin ourselves. That's worse. I mean, we we can look at the state of the world, look at around us and all the mess that's going around, and we can point back to the scripture right here. Instead of God trying to chase us down or correct us all the time in the Old Testament, he just allows us to walk in the way we think is right. And the world in itself has become a mess. I mean, God doing this, Pastor Steve, it's kind of like you, man, like you just you, you telling Trey, like, dude, you won now. I'm done raising you. You, you got this, man. All of you new parents in here under one, I, I, I'm, I'm done with you. You got this. You're going to figure it out. That, that would be a mess. That's crazy. I mean, our creator, and I say our creator because all of us, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Puerto Rican, as they said, there's only two of them. Here's more of y'all up in here. But, but all of us, we're all created in the image of God. See, our creator here, because of our continual rebellion against him and disrespect towards him, he takes his hand off and he said, look, you think you got this thing? You think you can do it by yourself? Okay, okay, cool. I'll let you do it. And we wonder why our world is so crazy. We're like ships without a sail trying to, trying to cross the ocean. That's the wrath of God today. But see, what I want us to really look at specifically here in this text is verses 24 through 25. Because essentially, God's wrath, him taking his hand off of us, is what leads us to idolatry. Look at the words with me again. It says, Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. He gives men and women, us, over to our own lust in our hearts because we exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And we worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, God. That's idolatry. Now, remember, idolatry is worshiping anything 
other than the God of the Bible. And the idol is the thing you seek fulfillment from other than God. But see, what we cannot miss here in this passage, do not miss this. When you pay attention to the passage, what does God give us over to? It's not a thing. It's not somebody. It's our hearts. Here's the point. It's out of our hearts that the act of idolatry comes from. The idol is the result, but our heart is the idol-making factory. Friends, what we get from this passage, like I said in the beginning, is that our hearts are idol factories. Our hearts take the good things of God and we make them ultimate, thereby replacing God in our daily affections. And the question becomes, why do we do this? Why are our hearts idol-making factories? And the answer is, just in case you missed it earlier, we were made to worship. We worship all day Every day. And the real question that needs to be answered is the same one. Who or what are you really worshiping? If it ain't God, it's an idol. We all worship something. And don't be so quick to say, I worship Jesus. Demond and I, we were talking about that this week. And, and for some people, you, you're a Christian and you've been in church your whole life. But church is what you do. Your Christian is something you do, and you've been in church, you, you, but, but, but Christianity doesn't really define you. Your, your walk with God is not, it, it doesn't really define you. you. You're just Christian by name, which is dangerous because Christianity can, can become a, a really good hobby. I know, I'm stepping on some toes. We, we, we can go to church on Sunday every week. We can go to Bible study. But outside of church activities, your Christianity is put in the file cabinet of your life. And the question we have to answer again is who or what do we really worship? Let me help you with this. Y'all quiet in here. So let me help you think about who or what do we worship. Some of us, we worship our kids. I, I, I had to battle with this one this summer. I mean, my kids are getting older, and I feel like a glorified Uber driver sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, man, my life, my schedule won't run off of you. But, but for reality is that some of us moms and dads, everything in our life revolves around our kids, who they are, what they do, their nap time. Some of us up in here, we be missing church because of nap time. I know y'all don't like that one, but it's true. <laughs> Listen to me. There is a big difference between providing for your kids. Listen. There's a big difference between providing for your kids and deifying your kids. Making them ultimate. They're good, but they ain't the ultimate thing God is. They can become idols. Some of us worship work. I struggle with this one, too, where you're always busy. You're always working. You never stop going. You always have something to do or take on. You finish one venture, and then there's something else that you got to do after that. There's another hill to climb. Hear me. Working is good. We need to work, but when that's all you find yourself thinking about or doing, it's an idol. Some of us worship having things or materialism. I was just talking to some brothers after service about this. You know, when that, 
that new iPhone comes out, that new that new edition, you 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 know about it before Apple know about it. You just you just you out there at the store ready to get it. You 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 the new car, that new edition of your car come out. You just bought a car two years ago. You up all night trying to design this new car that you gotta get, and you you still making payments on the other one. You, you just love new things, or, or those new shoes come out, those new J's. You up on the sneaker app just trying to figure, man, 8 o'clock, I got one hour. I'm going to make sure to be there, and at 10 minutes is up. Dang, I didn't even get it. I got, that's Jordan's for some of y'all to know. I was, Birkenstocks. Someone, you got to say all of them because we're in a multi-ethnic church. Y'all waiting for the new stocks to drop, you know? First in line. First in line, you know, Good. Black Friday, I'm camping out. I, I got to have the new stuff. And there's nothing wrong with having nice things. I like nice things. But when you're thinking about nice things or people and, and, and your kids and all these other things to the point where all that, that's all this on your mind, you're worshiping it now. It's an idol. Let's keep going because some of you all are not in that, in those three that I named off. Some of us want more money. We work three jobs just to have more money. We steal and kill and cheat, lie to just have money. And there's nothing wrong with making money or having it. But when we worship, it becomes bad. That's where the Bible talks about the love of money. It's not money. It's the love of money. It's the root of all evil. Hear me, some of the best things in life, don't miss this, some of the best things in life are easily made idols because they give us a small sense of fulfillment. Some of the best things. We can make friends an idol. We make saving face an idol, a relationship until that person breaks your heart, which is a lot of our stories in here. We made someone an idol in our life because we put too much trust in them and then they broke our hearts. Skills can be an idol, beauty, brains, political views, your race. I'm black, I'm white, Puerto Rican over everything. Family, I could keep going on, but the point I'm trying to make is that anything in your life can be an idol. It doesn't matter who we are. We all struggle with idols, including myself. And the hard part about it is that some of the ones that I just mentioned, listen, are the easy ones to recognize. Ezekiel 14.3 says this, son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Listen, that, this means that not only does idol worship come from a motivation of the heart, but there are also idols that exist in our hearts. In. See, see, now therein lies the real problem. This can be tricky because many times the idols or the actions aren't really the problem. The real problem resides in our hearts. Y'all following me? It's like being allergic to something. And my wife is allergic to a lot of different foods. And now, with the, I got a lot of doctors here, so don't y'all shout me out if I'm wrong, but the, the reality, reality is that if you are allergic to some type of food, it's not the food that's the issue. It's your body that is the issue. 
Because what happens is if it was the food, then all of us would be allergic to this food. But the reality is when you are allergic to a food and you take that food within, you partake in that meal, your body doesn't have the proper enzymes to break down that food. So what it does is it attacks this foreign object and they try to kill this object, your body. But in the process, it can kill you if you don't find a doctor soon enough or have an EpiPen because what it does is it starts closing up all of your systems and you can't breathe and you're breaking out in hives and you're vomiting and all these things. Your system is shutting down to attack this thing. But remember, it's not the food that's the problem. It's your body. And so it is the same with idols. Sometimes, if not most, it's not the idol that's the problem. Some of these things that we worship are good things. The real problem resides in our hearts. See, what I'm trying to get at and make clear here is that that the idol that we come to see or understand is not what's causing the problem. There, there's usually a sin uh, beneath the sin or a heart motiv- motivation that, that causes this fruit, which in essence, hear me, you, you can't kill the fruit if you don't get to the root first. This means that there's a lie that we're believing that, re- that, that resides in our heart that's not easily noticed. We can't pinpoint point. We can't put our hands on it easily. It's, it's in, our, in our hearts. And if we don't get to the root of the problem, then our heart issue will never be fixed and we'll always feel like everything is incomplete in our lives. This is why some of us in here, we keep struggling with the same thing over and over again year after year. It's not, a porn, it's not just a porn problem. There's a lie underneath the porn problem that you're struggling with. It's not just alcohol or, or sex or anything like that. No, there's something underneath that you're believing that's driving you to this place. See, what happens is we tend to not grow spiritually because we try to manage this sin. That's called behavior modification. We're trying to modify our behavior instead of trying to get to the root of the real problem, the idol that exists in our hearts. And I can't say this enough. I'm going to say it now. The human heart has this amazing ability to make the good things of God ultimate in our lives. Like our race, our politics, our, our, our money. I'm Republican and Democrat and all this stuff. I'm black, I'm white. All of this is, is above everything. My money, my house, my family, and I could keep on going down the line. The heart has this amazing propensity to make the, the good things that God gives us ultimate in our lives. Because we don't naturally want God. We want the things that God has to offer, but we don't want God himself. That's the issue. So, so let, me, let me help you. I don't want y'all to miss this. Let me help you see how all these things develop out of our hearts because these are the ones that are not easily noticed. Let me help you take a deeper look at your heart. Take greed, for example. If you deal with greed, there's probably a sin underneath or beneath the materialism or this belief that if I have more, if I just have a little bit more, I'll be okay. This lie, or it becomes a counterfeit God because we begin to worship this belief with our hearts. If I just have more, I'll be, if I just get to this place, I'll be okay. You can write these down if you want to. Another idol is the idol of approval. You don't think of that as an idol, but it is. Underneath, it's this belief that my happiness comes from fixing others' 
lives or my happiness is meshed with other people's happiness, which may sound like codependency, but really it's idolatry. Because if they're unhappy, then now I'm unhappy. If they're mad at me, then I'm devastated and now I'm anxious. This is an idol because now we're, 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 we're worshiping someone else's approval more than we value the approval of God himself. Take physical beauty. This is a big one in society. It's great unless you deify it. I mean, it's okay to look good. I, I like looking good. This is huge today, but, but people will spend inordinate amounts of money and time to look good. Plastic surgery, injections, hundreds of dollars on, on, on makeup and time and filters and stuff like that. All for good appearance. Nothing wrong with looking good, but if that's all you think about, it's an idol. You're worshiping it. A power idol. Power means I, 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 I ha- my identity lies in me being in power. I have to be the leader. I cannot follow. I cannot submit. Comfort idol means life only has meaning. If, I, if it's comfortable, i got to have the pleasures of life at my hand. Everything leans to my liking. I stay in the city because I'm comfortable, or I move out of the city because it has what I want, and I'm comfortable outside the city. This relationship that I'm in, it, it, it's, I'm in it because it keeps, I'm comfortable. There's nothing wrong with comfort unless you start deifying and worshiping it. Control idol. We all struggle with this one. This is a big one. It means that I I have to have a mastery over this business. I got to have a mastery over this person, this item. I cannot leave things alone until I get it or this person gets what I'm trying to get to them. This is where my identity lies. That's a control idol. Helping idol means I, I have no meaning if I'm not needed. I don't know myself apart from giving myself away. This is where burnout happens. This is where people pleasing comes from. This is a helping idol. A dependence idol. I bet you didn't think about that one. Dependence idol means life only has meaning if I have people. I need community. I I have to have people. I only have meaning with people and without them I don't. In an independence idol. I'm an independent man. I'm an independent woman. I don't need anybody. I I only feel alive if I'm completely free from expectations and obligations. I have to be able to be free. Work idol. I I talked about this one earlier. People have to see me working. They need to see me achieving and and being significant, which which leads into the next one, an achievement idol. I have to be seen working hard. I got to be seen making it to the top and and achieving in society. It gives me life. Family idol. We touched on this one. But everything in your life is driven by what your family thinks of you. What your parents think. How your kids are doing. How your spouse is doing. Again, we can make the great things in our life ultimate. Idols come from our hearts. If you go away with nothing else I said this morning, know that you're not above having idols. None of us. We all have them. And if you're sitting there, you're like, Pastor D, I don't have any idols. That's because you're the idol. (laughs) 
We all have idols. The passage says, God gave us over to our heart's desire, which was the worst punishment ever because we naturally make our desires idols. But you know what the real problem with this is? The real problem with God giving us over to our heart's desire is that in desiring idols and running after them and worshiping them with our hearts, what we think is right, going after it, the problem is they never satisfy. We always need more, more of this, more of that. It never satisfies. C.S. Lewis, he puts it this way. I, I love this. He says, I found a desire within myself that no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Friends, here's the truth, the hard truth about idols. They always overpromise and underdeliver. If I could just have this or I could have that, I'll be good. If I had this amount of money or if I, my kids acted this way, or if my house looked like this or if my body looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, if I, if, I, if I was in control of my destiny, I would be okay. If I could just have it my way, I'd be satisfied. When the truth is, listen to me, instead of that happening, what happens is that longing for more intensifies and the heart's creation of idols never satisfies or ceases. It just leaves us wanting more because we were made to worship more. God is eternal, friends, and I told you he made all of us in his image, which means that he has written eternity across our hearts, which makes us always long for more and want more, which lends to this understanding that there is nothing outside of God that can satisfy us because what we search for can only be found in the creator, God himself. You see, idols, they feed us that, the lie that if I don't have my heart's deepest desire, then I won't be able to function. I won't be able to live because deep down we're, we're worshiping this thing. But y'all, we weren't made to worship people and things that we can wrap our minds and, and our hands around. That ain't worship. It's like C.S. Lewis said when, when he figured out that no experience in this world would satisfy, the most probable explanation is that he was made for another world. Better yet, friends, we were made to worship God. Idols overpromise and they underdeliver. But God never does. But see, sometimes we never come to know this truth. Until that one thing that we depend on fails us. Until it's taken away. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, this pastor in New York, he says, listen, God, he says this. He says, you, you, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. You don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Listen, listen, listen. God gives us over to our desires of our hearts so that we can ultimately come to the realization that nothing else will ever satisfy us but him. Friends, we all struggle with idols, and we will until the day we die, me included. But if we truly worship God, our creator, then what happens is that idols in our life become easily recognized, and in turn, they will not have as much power over us. But it all starts with knowing God. 
You cannot truly worship God if you do not know him. You cannot truly worship God if you do not know what he's done for you. God loved us enough to send his son, Jesus, God in the flesh, to come down to this earth to die the death that we deserved on the cross where he takes our sins, all those infatuations, all those idols upon himself with nails in his hand and nails in his feet where he dies the death we deserve and he doesn't stay there, but then he goes to the grave and he takes sin, death, and Satan to the grave, all of that mess of our lives to the grave, our past, present, and future to the grave, and then he rises three days later with power in his hand, leaving Satan, sin, and death in the grave, triumphing over it so that you and I, when we believe we can have life everlasting. He did that for you. He did it for you. He did it for me. That's the good news of Jesus. But the question we're still left answering is who or what do we truly worship? Is it him or is it something else? And so what I want to do, I want to end the same way we started today. In a moment with God, some of us right now, this is a time where we, we, we need to cry out from our hearts to God, I need you. Some of us right now, it's a time of repentance. God, I've been over here. I need to, I need to come back. Some of us, this is a time to say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior for the first time. God, thank you for doing what you did. I thank you for loving me past what I could even imagine. In the midst of my sin, in the midst of my depravity, you still love me. Some of you, even though you accepted Jesus, you need to know that he still loves you right now despite where you've been. Some of you may need to just drop to your knees or even come up here. Whatever you need to do, I want to take a couple minutes. It's going to be silent again. I just want you to close your eyes. And I just want you to get in a space where allow the Lord to just kind of speak, move in your heart. And I'll bring us back in prayer.
Father, we do need you. God, to speak to us in those spaces in our hearts where we may struggle with our belief. We may struggle chasing after other things, God. God, I pray that you reveal to your people whatever it is that's in the way of us truly giving you all. All of us, God. I just pray that as we enter into a new season, that that would be our heart's desire is to see you in all things and everything we do, everything we say, that we just pause before you in silence. And Holy Spirit, you speak, you use us, you do what you need to do in our lives, that we wouldn't rush to the next thing, but we know that you're over all things, God, and that we can trust you beyond a shadow of a doubt. You've been the same God since the beginning, and you'll be the same God today, tomorrow, and forevermore. You are Alpha and Omega. And if that's true, you can take care of our today, tomorrow, and forever. You don't hold our sin over our heads, but you love us, God. You cast it as far as the east as from the west. So, God, I pray for the one that is repenting, God, that they would know, as your word says in 1 John, that you are just and righteous to forgive us. Pray for the one that's confessed you as Lord and Savior, that they know based on Romans 10 that they are saved. God, I pray for the one that's coming back, God. They know that you're a father that sits on the stoop just like the prodigal son, and you sit there and wait for us. That you see the depth of our heart, and you still love us the same. God, we do give you praise. We give you honor. We give you all glory. that we're undeserving people, but yet you still love us and you still do on our behalf. Let us never forget that and let us run with the goodness of Jesus at the forefront of our minds every day, every second, every hour. Because you are a good, good father. So we give you all praise and honor and glory. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together, amen, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.